Welcome to Inner Beauty Code. I'm your host, Rachel Fialco, a psychology master's student, makeup artist, and yoga teacher. Join me weekly on a journey of self-discovery, exploring psychology, wellness, spirituality, beauty, and beyond. Let's dive in. Thank you guys for tuning into the Inner Beauty Code. I'm Rachel, your host, and today I'm so, so excited to introduce this guest because she is a longtime friend of mine and her name is Kimberly Odom. She's a clinical dietitian. She's amazing. I've known her for 18 years. She's helped me personally, and I can't wait for you guys to hear all the great information she has to share for you today. So, Kimberly, thank you so much for being here. Can you please fill everyone in on exactly what it is that you do. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. So I'm a registered dietitian and founder of The Daily Detox, which is my private practice. And essentially, I created The Daily Detox private practice. Um, It's based on nutrition and weight management protocols through a science-based backing, meaning that everything has clinical relevance, it's research-based, and um, Really, the protocol is supported by a whole foods diet designed to help clients achieve really organic weight loss and optimal health. And even if they're not looking for weight loss, weight management, while maintaining a really sensible and sustainable lifestyle, which is key to really long-term health and longevity. And so what we do at the Daily Detox, myself and the dietitians who work with me, is we provide one-on-one nutrition counseling in the areas of weight loss and medical nutrition therapy for chronic conditions such as diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, and hyperlipidemia, which commonly go together, um, and GI disorders. And recently, I started specializing in women's health in the lane of fertility nutrition, prenatal nutrition, and postpartum nutrition. So we do a lot, and uh, but it's it really is cohesive. And as patients start working with us and clients, it, they learn that it, it all goes together and one thing leads to another. So that's basically what I do in a nutshell. <laughs> it's a big nutshell. <laughs> you cover a lot. And yeah, it's awesome. And I really love um, that you're focusing on female um, hormones as well, because I do know, I, I know men have changes as well, but females specifically have so many different things that affect their hormones, including, you know, pregnancy. And I love that we're going to get to that. <laughs> this conversation. Yes. Yes. For my own, for my own benefit. A little bit of that today. <laughs> I'm here to help. Wonderful. So I wanted to know, um, one thing I love about you, Kimberly, is your ability to take risks and you have a nonlinear road to get to where you are today. So maybe just share like a brief little history about you because everyone, Kimberly and I met 18 years ago, when we were both in college in Nashville, she went to a different school than I did, but we met at a party one night and just chatted and our paths crossed from there a few more times. And then fast forward a couple of years and we were both living in New York City, both working at um, Bloomingdale's on 59th Street. (laughs) And then we both ended up in Florida again, but we've kept in touch all this time. And I've worked with Kimberly personally and she's helped me a lot. So I'm so excited. Yeah. 
for you to share. Yeah, tell us like your journey to get to where you are, first of all, right now. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for that introduction. Wow, I should really have you around more often. <laughs> You're really opening up the, the door of expectations here, and I'm excited. No. Um, thank you so much for that intro. I appreciate it. So I entered the field as a registered dietitian, definitely in a non- traditional way. So let's fast forward back to when I was 18 going through college. Um, I actually uh, cheered for the NFL, for the Tennessee Titans. And that's really where I first developed my love for nutrition, health, you know, sports nutrition, all of that, and really learning about how as a young woman to start taking care of myself. And then I cheered all through college while obtaining my degree and I majored in broadcast journalism. And I, you know, during college, I interned for E! News, E! Radio in LA. I worked with ESPN during March Madness coverage. I actually traveled around with them during March Madness one season in college, which was an amazing experience. I worked for local news. So all of that to say that like my eyes were set on the news. I wanted to work in journalism. Like I wanted to be the next Barbara Walters or so I thought, you know, when I graduated college and moved and decided to move to New York, um, I I got my first job out of college at a local news station in New York City, which was really exciting because it's the number one you know, market. It was so exciting. And I really started pouring myself into that field and you know, taking, taking every opportunity I could. At the same time, I, I was finding myself you know, not really knowing anyone. I knew zero people from the South. You know, I'm from a little country town, like born and raised outside of Nashville and went to college in Nashville. So um, New York was a huge step for me. And so I knew that I had this background as an NFL cheerleader and I thought, okay, I know I can meet like-minded women if I audition for the New York Jets. <laughs> so I auditioned on a whim. I think I filled the application out like 48 hours in advance. I went and did the whole audition. Um, it was a month long process once you get past each round, but um I made the team and while I was doing that, while I was cheering for the NFL, I was still working for the morning news. And at this time, it was probably a year into living in New York, working, kind of burning the candle at both ends, so to speak. And I was going to work for the morning news, which means that you go to work at around midnight. That's when you clock in. For the day. And um, you get off of work at like 9.30, sometimes 10 a.m. when you're an underling and working your way up the ranks of the news industry, you're pretty much, you live there. And then I would go home exhausted. My, you know, circadian rhythm, which is your body's natural flow of sleep, wake cycle was completely off. And then I would have four hour rehearsals uh, four times a week plus game day on Sunday or Thursday or Monday, depending on what the schedule was. So I was exhausted and it was about a year into doing all of this that I really started to feel it. And I, and I was young. I mean, I was 20, 
three at this point, a year into being in New York City. And I had no reason to feel like I was, you know, 60 years old, but I felt my joints hurt. My hair was falling out. I had cystic acne. I was having just weight loss resistance. And then I would suddenly start losing weight. I was bruising very easily. I had all of the signs and symptoms of some type of health condition. And with that, it all started with IBS. So that was kind of like my first symptom, which is chronic IBS. And so because I was cheering for the NFL, we had access to doctors, you know, recommendations or referrals to doctors, dietitians. And so I went to see one of the dietitians who was associated with the, with my team. And um, she really helped me and kind of opened my eyes to this new way of living. Prior to this, I think I was a lot like many women who were into the trends, like the trendy diets. You know, I was drinking the red sugar-free Red Bulls like they were water. I was living off of chicken and no carbs. I was living off protein bars and no sleep. It was really an unhealthy way of living and eating. And so through healing myself with the help of you know, doctors and dietitians, I really, I mean, it was life-changing. And um, I started getting news pieces for my like day job or, or so to speak, you know, nighttime job, day job um, on health. So I was able to cover health pieces because I was kind of diving into this world And so during that time, I decided to do a small training as a health coach to dip my toes in the water of the wellness world to see, you know, really it was to learn more so that I could create more news pieces that had validity and more information. Um, But as I went through the health coaching process, I just fell in love with it. I thought this is something that I would really love to do um, if if this news gig doesn't work out. So long story short, I end up realizing one day, you know, maybe the news is not necessarily what my passion truly is. Um, I want to work in a deeper way with other women who are, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s and help guide them through real impactful work through their health, through improving their health so they can improve their life. So I decided to go back to school. I got my master's degree. I have a master's of science in clinical nutrition. And um, after I did that, I decided, hey, you know, I still don't know enough and I want to really solidify this and become a registered dietitian, which is a long process. So after I did my master's or my master's degree in grad school, I did a 1,200-hour internship in a hospital setting. You do rotations in um, GI, cardiovascular. You're in the ICU. You are you know, doing outpatient, inpatient. You're really, at that time, getting your full you know, immersion into clinical nutrition. And this is when you learn to work with all populations of people. And so after doing that, I went on to do um, another a thousand hour residency program. And I took my board exam past that. And um, yeah, I've, I've been working ever since um, as a registered dietitian. And I am so proud to be a part of this industry that I think we are really, as dietitians, finally getting the recognition that we deserve. Because what 
is so important and impactful with working with a dietitian is you're able to work preventatively. So if you have a family history of whatever it might be, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, you name it, you can work with a dietitian to address preventing that along with working with a doctor. But if you've been diagnosed with something that is nutrition related, we can also work together as part of the healthcare team working in tandem with your doctor. And nutrition is just such a big part of every system in the body. So I know that that's like a long story. So sorry, everyone. (laughs) Uh, But um, I do think it's, it's helpful to understand where someone like a dietitian has been because a lot of times my patients or clients will come to me and they're like, oh, you have no idea what it's like to feel sick. You have no idea what it's like to work in corporate, da, 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 da. And it's like, I actually do know. I've lived it. I've been there. And I, I feel like it helps me really connect with my clients. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. And that's where I've been. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's like a winding road and it's nice to hear that you can pivot. And then also, like, I think a lot of people talk themselves out of doing things that they want to do or are passionate about because, you know, let's say you went to school for broadcasting, you already did your undergrad in that and you, you know, you were already in it and to completely, you know, once you were already like deep in that to pick a new career and such a lengthy process and commitment can be scary for a lot of people. So I love that. And I know in our last talk, you were talking, we were talking about how it's never too late to, to change or to try something different or for you to take a different road or path in life. So I really think that you're a good example of that. And it's cool that you've followed so many different passions, including, you know, being an NFL cheerleader. And I don't anyways, I like that a lot. So what gave you the the courage to go after that too? I mean, I, you know, I'm in a similar boat right now and I'm thinking to myself, am I insane for, for choosing to get my master's at 38 years old and, you know, pick a different career path. So yeah. What, what do you think if, kind of pushed you through or can you advise? Because I know a lot of people struggle to find kind of their groove in life or they think they want to do something, but they just don't have the courage to go after it. Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think it's really valid because I know most women feel this way or most people in general. Um, but to answer it, I mean, it's, it could, we could talk all day long about this. Um, and I'm really passionate about the topic. I think Okay. So first of all, it's important to find something that you are innately great at, and you can only do that by experimenting with many things and learning. It doesn't need mean, you know, quit your day job as soon as you find something that you enjoy doing, but you know, as you are working in whatever field you're in currently, it is a great idea to start experimenting, start reading, start asking questions. If there is something that you specifically just lights you up inside and you could talk about all day long and you could read about without getting bored and you feel like you have um, a passion, you know, really discovering and learning and working in, then lean into that. So that was what I did, you know, as I was talking about, I worked in a different field and I just started slowly over time 
kind of dipping my toes, learning more and more. And once you just decide what that passion is, then from there, find mentors. Mentors are so essential to the development of your career path. And whether you're switching careers or in the same field, the goal should always be evolving. We all want to evolve, right? And continue growing. And the only way that we can be uh, doing that is to one, humble ourselves enough to ask for help that helps you level with people on, you know, and connect with them, ask questions, show up, be willing to do some of the work for free. And when you're in the learning phase and then creating and devising a plan. So when I was younger in my twenties and I was starting this whole process, which by the way, it was very long. This was a long process. Um, and at times it felt like, okay, is this ever going to end? Where am I going with this? Um, but I had a mentor, I had a mentor tell me, you know, once you're in the development phase, you know, it's fine to experiment. It's fine to learn what you like, what you don't like, but there should be a development phase, but you can't live in the development phase. Right. So you have to lean into one thing you want to go for, even if it's not, even if it's not like the end product, you have to start somewhere. And then once you ma master that technique or that trade, then from there, you can add the layers. You can pull in the specialties. You can dive into some other um, areas of training, but you have to have laser focus at first in order to make any headway. And yeah. another thing was be like, just don't listen to anybody else. If you don't emulate someone else in a field or whatever your passion area is, I would not necessarily listen to everyone's advice because they have no idea what the path looks like to get there. So keep your you know, friends and family, you know, listen to them, take what they have to say with a grain of salt. Obviously they should be your go-to, but also your mentors, finding that one person that you look up to that can really help you streamline everything. I think that is important. And then I have a strong faith. And so I just feel like as a, I'm a Christian, and so I pray a lot about the direction and the path that I am going into. And I really try to listen to like those signals and those like uh, God downloads, like God downloading these thoughts and ideas, because, you know, whenever you have a gut feeling about something that can often be God telling you, like, this is what you need to lean into. This is what you need to do. And you just have to trust yourself enough to do it and to take that first step, even when you're not ready, which do you agree? I think that's like the hardest. Yeah. I mean, that's like imposter syndrome central, not feeling ready or not feeling like you know enough. And that literally has kept me stuck for so long in different things, especially with this podcast. I don't know why. I mean, now it seems so silly now that I'm in the process of doing this. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. Yeah, starting before you're ready. I mean, people talk about it all the time nowadays, like just try it. And there's, mm -hmm. you never know, like taking a step in the direction of like where you want to go. You never know where it'll take you. You just have to have the courage to try because you're going to fail. Yeah, if you don't. Yeah, I think that's like the, the hardest part. But the best advice ever is just to, if you find something that you love, then just dive in before you're ready. Obviously, if you're 
going to medical school, you can't be going around telling people you're a doctor before you're a doctor mm-hmm. or, or, you know, pretending that you're something that you're not. But, mm-hmm. um, I think you have to act as if to get yourself in that headspace as like you're already there and changing that thought process really helped me. I love that. Well, Without further ado to everyone that's listening, because you and I can just talk all day to each other about these things, I want to make sure that we touch on what it is that you're great at. And like I said, you've helped me so much with like gut health, with working with my my lab results and my doctor and the protocol mm-hmm. that he was putting me on to mm-hmm. improve my hormone health because I had issues like like really high estrogen and low progesterone testosterone and uh my thyroid was my T3 was very low so um yeah I had a lot of hormonal imbalances and one thing I did learn from you too is just about how your body can also process things out and if your body is not detoxing or digesting properly that can be the root cause of some issues that you might be having and and then so let's let's dive into that and just talk about how to maximize energy levels and brain clarity and then just how you know your hormones and gut health can affect this and everything that you that you oh, know, yeah. you've told me let's let's get into that yeah okay well first of all i'm long-winded so i will try my best to streamline this and give you the okay. bullet points as yeah. you know i could do like a full lecture on on this so you could have everything. to like you keep you guys I'll try to keep you, I'll try to keep you focused on the thing. So, so basically let's talk about energy levels and then brain clarity. What are some tips that you can say, or maybe some things that people should look out for if they're feeling this way, um, feeling like lethargic, just low energy, maybe waking up tired, maybe that they, um, you know, are feeling again, foggy and that they're not like performing at their peak. I know there's a lot of, uh, uh, to the answer to this question, but what are some like basic things that people can share? Um, so, so with? like, like we've talked about a lot before the body is, it works as a system. So when one area of your, of your health is off or imbalanced, then it will throw other areas of your health off. And there's a ripple effect. It's like a cascade effect of health. So I first want to just preface that because a lot of times when we go into quote unquote fixing a problem, we think that there's just a cure-all, you know, there's like a problem and then there's one answer or solution, but really our bodies are, are meant to be in the most harmony possible. Now we live in a modern society. It's virtually impossible to be in balance all of the time, but we have to do the work to have routines, to have um, our own practices in place that our body can account on every single day that will help us be our best, not perfect, but our best, right? And that's going to change daily. So I just also want to say that because I have people that come in and they're like, I have a headache. I must have a tumor in my brain. I'm like, well, maybe you could look into that, but have you had water today? And then we go through that whole process. So 
with that said, you know, there are what I would say five pillars of health, and this applies to everyone. And these are the five pillars that will truly keep you running and functioning at your best. So it's whole foods, fiber, fluids, movement, and mindset. And I like to work with the mindset aspect first because a lot of times what can happen is we don't feel well, but are we taking care of our thought processes? Are we thinking with a wellness, like I call it a wellness mindset? Are we being negative? You know, what is the self-talk like? Because that can really drag you down if you're constantly beating yourself up and predetermining how something is going to go. And in my case, if a client comes in or a patient I'm working with and they're They say, I've tried everything. Okay, well, you haven't tried everything. We know most of the time, but they say, I've tried everything and I just, I don't think anything's going to work. Well, if you go into trying something new, you've hired someone, you can't just predetermine how it's going to go. So you've decided already that you, it's not going to work. So the mindset portion is really important. And I just could, I could harp on that all day. Okay. So after the mindset, we talk about nutrition because without your mindset in place, we can't even move to the nutrition aspect, nutrition, whole foods, nutrition. So are you having lean, lean proteins? Are you having enough protein? Are you having complex carbohydrates and whole grains? Are you having enough healthy fats for your hormones and brain function? Fluid. Fluid is essential. You know, one of the number one signs and symptoms of dehydration is fatigue um, and vice versa. So if you are feeling fatigue in that midday slump, you have a little headache going on, ask yourself, have I had water? Have I had enough water today? Um, I will guarantee you that you will feel more energized once you start drinking a little bit more water. And then fiber. So fiber is like the miracle uh, nutrient for health. And this really helps to regulate your digestive system. So if your digestive system is not working, it's going to bog your energy levels down. You're going to feel awful. You're going to feel lethargic, most likely constipated if you're not having enough fiber. And you can see how this all goes together. And then last but least is movement. So I always say, that a body in motion stays in motion and balanced energy levels are a result of this along with everything else I've just talked about. So those five pillars are crucial for maximizing your energy levels. The body is connected. It's one system. And when you bring your body back into balance, you can also help determine, you can do this by determining the root cause of the imbalance. So I'll give you an example. So cardiovascular disease and diabetes can be directly affected by diet and lifestyle changes. And you can change one thing, but without changing all of these aspects in your health, it's not going to fix the problem. Another example would be how it's all interconnected is like, okay, if you don't drink enough water, you're not going to have a bowel movement. If you don't have a bowel movement, you're going to feel tired. If you feel tired and fatigued, you're going to have a headache and you're not going to feel like you can work out. So it is a long 
process, but also very simplified if you just work on these five pillars a little bit each day. But yeah, I mean, really to maximize your energy levels, I think a routine is the most important. Focus on those five pillars of health, mindset, movement, fluids, fiber, and whole foods, nutrition, and then work on your sleep. So sleep is super essential to your energy levels. You cannot just live on four hours of sleep. Actually, I'll give you a little tip. So if you've ever pulled an all-nighter, if you've ever worked really late into the evening and you're like, I'll just catch up on sleep the next day, it really doesn't work like that. So if you are averaging less than six hours of sleep a night, that can often be the same as pulling one all-nighter and the effects, the long-term effects it has on your body. And it's in lack of sleep actually triggers a hunger hormone in your body called ghrelin. So you can remember this ghrelin, like a little gremlin in the kitchen who's hungry. Um, So lack of sleep turns on the ghrelin and it causes you to feel famished. If you, I'm sure many people have felt like this where you just catch yourself snacking on high carbohydrate foods and it turns off a hormone called leptin. Leptin is your hunger regulating hormone. So the the leptin tells your brain, hey, I'm full after eating a meal. Ghrelin shuts all of that off and is like, hey, I'm still hungry. Feed me, feed me, feed me. So going back to how everything is interconnected, we really have to start at the root causes of it all, which is the five pillars and making sure that we're having enough sleep so that we can have proper hunger cues the next day and plenty of energy. So I hope that answers your question. I mean, I really feel very strongly about (laughs) the sleep aspect of it and trying your best to simplify your routine. Yeah, it makes so much sense. And it's, and it's interesting to say that because I hear people, I hear people complaining and I know someone specific in mind that it drives me absolutely insane because they think they're like so healthy. And I'm like, they're so unaware of a, this person doesn't sleep. And and, she, and, and and it's always like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. There's something wrong with me, but I don't know what it is. And I keep, you know, getting all these tests. And I'm like, it's your lifestyle. Hi, if you don't sleep, mm-hmm. if you're not like eating enough fiber, if you no water, like at all and you're not exercising, mm-hmm. of course, you're going to feel like crap. Of course, your arthritis is going to get triggered. Of course, you're going to have inflammation in your body. And it just, I think if you're feeling crappy, just like you said, focusing on maybe improving those things or just drinking enough water, by the way, which one thing you taught me about um, hydration is the electrolytes. So I want to ask about that next. But um, yeah, if you yes. if you're, if you're suffering from any issues that you just feel like crap or you're tired or you're struggling with weight loss, it just is a no brainer. If it it doesn't make any sense that before you do these five pillars to try anything else, like, you you know, it just, yeah, makes, makes so much sense. Yeah. And, and to that, I'll just end, end that moment with also extremes. So I would say stay away from the extreme diets, extreme lifestyle changes you know, there's a time and a place for everything. I work a lot with um, people in the music industry here in Nashville, actually. And, you know, there's times we get them ready or I get them ready, help them prepare for a red carpet event or a performance, right? So like 
maybe we tweak the diet a little bit to appear a certain way on the red carpet, which is like, you know, a whole, a whole other conversation, but it's still not extreme. And you can't maintain that forever, right? It's like a bodybuilder getting ready for a bodybuilding competition. They're not going to be able to do this for a long time. You have to have a balanced lifestyle. And then once you understand the fundamentals of it all, you can move on to what I call the sexy, the sexy wellness, meaning like the trendy stuff that you can pull in and try out occasionally. You know, if you're getting ready for an ultra marathon, maybe we try intermittent fasting or keto diet because that tends to be helpful with triathletes, but it's not going to be beneficial for you if you have never eaten healthy in your life and you have no idea what a carbohydrate really is. You can't go from zero to a hundred and expect yourself to be able to maintain this for long. So I just wanted to end on that because I do think that going back to the mindset, you, you have to have realistic expectations and you have to really catch yourself from being delusional with some of your ideas and thought processes. A lot of people are like, well, if I just go hard all the time, I'll lose weight because I'm just, you know, running myself into the ground, but it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have to back it up with the basics. And then once that's mastered, we can throw in a cleanse or whatever it is that you're wanting to try but you can't be like living off of green juice and think that's going to be the answer to all of your problems. <laughs> Which interestingly enough, I learned from you is not even like the best choice of, it's almost like a waste of calories and just a lot of sugar sometimes because it takes out all the fiber. Again, the fiber that, I yeah. mean, the whole fiber thing that you told me just really helped my digestion. I've always had digestive issues ever since I was a kid. And I think it probably was like linked back to stress. But anyways, I've always had, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was like very constipated as a child and just, mm -hmm. um, I drink a lot of water, but so this is what I wanted to um, ask next, next, but you helped me with my digestive system and I will always <laughs> never, I'll never forget it. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> um, so back to like some things that you've been, that you've told me that are super helpful is um, drinking. Okay. So I love coffee. Like this has become something that is just a habit for me every morning. I love to have a cup of coffee. Um, mm -hmm. every day it's almost like my little treat in the morning, but, um, mm -hmm. and I put, you know, the collagen protein in it just to have some extra protein anyways, but you had told me also about putting electrolytes in water. So I want to know, how to start your day off. I mean, maybe like, like I said, we're not looking for complete like lifestyle changes and this may not apply to everyone, but like, what are some things that people can do? Simple things like mm -hmm. that, like maybe adding electrolytes to your water, um, adding mm -hmm. the collagen protein to your coffee. What would you suggest that are and maybe lemon to the water and, and explain mm -hmm. why those are helpful? Yeah. So I love that you are passionate about your digestive system and bowel movements because that's what we really are so passionate about here at the Daily Detox Private Practice. And actually, I was inspired to, to name the practice the Daily Detox because 
your health starts with your gut, right? Your health starts with your gut. If you, it's your major, your main detoxification organ, along with your liver, your pancreas and other uh, detox organs. But if you are not mastering in, in really nourishing your gut health, it's going to be impossible to really, uh, or not impossible, but it might be very hard to feel your best. Mastering your gut health can really help you maximize your energy levels because your gut actually creates, your digestive system creates 95% of serotonin, which is your feel-good hormone. It's a neurotransmitter um, that's made in the gut, and it carries messages from the brain to different cells in your body, which is really cool. And um, serotonin helps regulate sleep. It regulates your happiness, like the happy hormone. And you also need it to make melatonin, which is important for sleep. Your body makes melatonin, which a lot of people don't realize. Also, they think we take melatonin. Taking melatonin can actually throw off your body's natural regulatory process to make melatonin. So that's just a little point there, but melatonin puts you to sleep at night, puts you into that restful state. If your gut is not functioning at its optimum level, then your happiness, literally your happiness hormone, serotonin, and the hormone that will put you to sleep at night are going to be off. And a lot this I see this very commonly with women specifically. And we can think back to, you know, women, our hormones are different than men's. And our lifestyles are different. We care. We wear a lot of different hats. Whether you are a mother in a work in a, in the working field, or a stay at home wife and taking care of children, or or no children at all, and you are doing whatever it is that you do, women are naturally caretakers, and we take on a lot of stress naturally. So it is by no surprise to me when I see women who have high cortisol levels. Um, poor sleep quality and dealing with signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety. Um, because when I see these, these things in the chart, when I'm looking at people, when a patient's chart, and then they tell me that they also have bad gut health, there is a direct correlation in so many, so much research that we could get into, but how do we get it going? How do we kind of replenish our healthy gut bacteria? And there are, there's so many things that you can do, but one would be first and foremost, work on your stress management. So you mentioned IBS growing up, you had IBS constipation. So IBS is actually one of the triggers for IBS is stress in a clinical setting, even in the hospital, we as dietitians educate a patient, not we talk about diet, obviously, but the first thing we bring up with someone with IBS is stress. We ask, what is your anxiety like? What is your stress levels like? And we, we educate them on stress management because that is a significant trigger to IBS symptoms. Okay, so that's the first, the first thing. Second, you're going to increase your fiber to 25 grams to 35 grams per day for women. Okay. The guidelines, the U.S. guidelines is about 25 grams, but I like to say it's a little bit more because I wouldn't go over 35 grams in a day, um, especially at first when you're getting started. But most Americans are only getting 10 grams of fiber a day when the guidelines 
the, the minimum guidelines is 25. So I say, let's aim for 25 to 35 grams per day. And I'll tell you in a minute how to do that. The second thing is add fermented foods like kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, Greek yogurt. Those are very important to help nourish the gut and to help your um, good bacteria flourish. So you're getting prebiotics from the fiber. The, fi the prebiotics help feed the probiotics. And then again, the going back to the most important thing is managing your stress levels because the gut conversation is so much more than food. It is, it is everything. And one of the best things that you can do is to start exercising. So exercising, there are so many studies, obviously over the years on this, um, but exercise helps to create other health, uh, happy hormones like endorphins, um, norepinephrine, dopamine. It helps to regulate everything. And so I say when you're first getting started with a healthy lifestyle, don't go, you know, crazy at first. Figure out what you can commit to, right? Figure out what in your day you can commit to that's sustainable that you can do seven days a week. And when I say seven days a week, I'm not talking about going hard with like HIIT workouts or lift weight, lifting weights. I'm talking about, we want you to move, you know, working out for six, 45 to 60 minutes, five days a week. That's great. But what are you doing throughout the day? Yeah. I, I wanted to say one thing to that too, because like, what, what, and staying active during the day means like taking the stairs, like walking a little further from the parking lot, you know, like little things like that. I think mm -hmm. people don't realize can improve. So I just wanted to throw yeah. that out there too. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Finding easy, um, easy ways to fit in non-exercise related movement throughout the day. So those traditional ways we think of exercising, like a class, weightlifting, all of that, that's wonderful. But what are you doing the other eight hours of the day? You know, because working out in the morning and then sitting all day long at work is not going to cut it because heart disease, you know, hypertension, poor gut health is all a part of that. So some easy ways to do that is taking breaks, taking 10 minute breaks every hour, go outside, look at the sun, walk, walk around the building, walk around your house, taking time throughout the day to plan out, okay, I'm going to walk 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and then end the day with walking, parking farther away in the parking lot, taking the stairs, all of those things are really important. I personally recently invested in a standing desk because for what I do, I am typing all day long, taking consults. And so standing actually helps activate my brain. It helps to energize me. And I might not stand eight hours, but I may stand two to three during the day and then periodically through the rest of the day. So that is just a quick tip on that stress reduction is finding exercise because that's going to be the key piece to lowering your stress levels and also just quick tip on exercise is that if you do have blood sugar regulation issues or insulin resistance, if you are diabetes, type one, type two, after you eat, if you can walk 15 minutes, even 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes after you eat, your blood sugar levels will dramatically um, improve. So basically walking, you know, give yourself a minute to digest, but 
walking right after you eat actually helps your body um, process the glucose from the food that you've just eaten and really utilize up all that good stuff so that your blood sugar levels aren't all over the place. So that's one tip I like to give patients. I love that. And I've noticed such a difference even like going to a restaurant. If you, I live in London, obviously, so we, I can walk places. So just the increased amount of walking that I've done, like go, you know, going to restaurant and walking after dinner has, it, it helps like so much. It just helps you not feel terrible after you've eaten a lot. Um, I also oh, yeah. want to ask, since I interrupted you before about mm-hmm. in the morning, little things that you can do mm-hmm. and add to your routine that are quick, that are easy, simple, that will help you stay hydrated even. Cause I know again, because I love coffee you suggested that I drink a full glass of water with electrolytes or and lemon to help not further make myself dehydrated when I wake up in the morning because um, it also yes. makes you more lethargic and, and fatigues your adrenals, you told me as well. So let's, let's yes. get into that. Yes. Okay. So let's, this is a great, um, great conversation. So So there are some things you can do in the morning to really um, set yourself up for success throughout the day. And I call it hydration, fuel, faith, and fitness. And we'll kind of cover all of those. But hydration is the first thing you do. You focus on hydrating. You're not going to overhydrate your body. Obviously, you have to drink fluids that suit your needs. But starting the day off with fluids and electrolytes is essential to regulating your cortisol levels. It actually helps to rehydrate you, obviously. But the the key piece to that is that people don't realize that they're dehydrating themselves throughout the night. You've just slept for seven to eight hours if you're lucky and you wake up, the first thing you do if you're drinking coffee is you're further dehydrating yourself. So we want to start the day off right with rehydrating ourselves with water and some electrolytes, if that is what you need. So the best time to drink coffee is between, I would say, 9.30 in the morning and 10.30, depending on when you wake up. Most people wake up around 6.37. And the reason for this, and I'll get back to the electrolyte conversation, but the reason for this is that most people's cortisol levels are the highest when they wake up, right? So the last thing we want to do is drink coffee when our cortisol is at its highest because cortisol is a stress hormone that your body makes. And what does coffee do? Coffee gives, creates this adrenaline rush. Okay. So cortisol and adrenaline, very similar, um, to think about it that way. And so what we want to do is when our cortisol is the highest in the morning, We want to have our electrolytes to rehydrate our body first to help kind of balance out our stress hormones. And then we can have the coffee once we've, we've hydrated and had a little bit of food. But yeah, the electrolytes are so important. I mean, most, most Americans are getting plenty of sodium in their diets. They're probably getting way too much sodium in their diets, but Electrolytes can be much more than just sodium. There's all kinds of minerals, magnesium, potassium, um, vitamin C is a part of electrolyte conversation. And those are all important to actually carry the water from your glass into your mouth into the cell. 
right? So when you drink water without electrolytes, and, and by the way, I'm not telling you to drink electrolytes all day long, but in this case, when you're rehydrating yourself from a really dehydrated state, it basically acts as a taxi cab. The electrolytes is like the taxi cab for the passenger, the passenger's water, and it carries it into the cell, right? So it's important to do that and to rehydrate yourself. And actually a quick little tip is that, so if you've ever eaten something high in sodium, like let's say sushi and soy sauce, and you're like, wow, my ring does not fit now. My, my hands are swollen, like little sausages. I'm swollen. My eyes are swollen. The next time I want you to try having a little bit of potassium with the sodium foods. So potassium actually helps to, like I was talking about with the electrolytes, it helps to regulate the water retention when you have high sodium foods. And potassium foods would be like, you could think of the word potassium. So pumpkin or potatoes, um, bananas, oranges, tomatoes, strawberries, those types of foods have high, high levels of potassium in them. So eating potassium with your sodium is going to help you not feel swollen. That's a tip. And then the coffee conversation, you know, have coffee after you've had your electrolytes and food so that your cortisol levels can go back down a little bit before you introduce a, a stimulant. And, and that's, what I would tell most women in reproductive years. Now, if you have gone through menopause, we might talk about a conversation of intermittent fasting, or if intermittent fasting is something that works for you currently, then we would talk about ways to maximize the benefits of that. But in general, for women who are in reproductive years, the main thing is to create a routine to start your day that is helping your body lower inflammation because inflammation is the root cause of all disease. So we've talked about hydration, fueling. We want to have food before our coffee. Even if it's like a little bite of something, you need to have a plan on how you're going to start your day. So we talk about you have to have complex carbohydrates, lean protein, and healthy fats at every meal. You want to do that. And then you can have your caffeine, you can do your workouts, which is a really important part of a morning routine, even if it's not like a long workout, some type of movement to stimulate your brain activity it helps with cognitive function. It helps with bowel movements. So I like to go outside. I do jumping jacks. I'll do burpees. I'll take a walk around the block. Even if I don't have time for a traditional workout, I find ways to get outside, look at the sun after rising, when I wake up, before I start my day, before I answer one email, you know, before anything else can stress me out, I make sure to take care of myself first to help regulate and rebalance myself for the day. Yeah. So I think those are, you know, the most important. And then the faith aspect is, you know, having some type of faith in spiritual practice, I think is so important. And I know that you are also a, a very spiritual person and it just helps really center yourself for the day. It reminds you of who you are, of what you've been called to do. And no matter what, try, what, what kind of, um, situations may come your way through the rest of the day, you've taken the time to really take care of you.
first, which is the most important in having a faith-based practice. And and I'm a a Christian, so I read the Bible. I will pray. Everyone is different. So find what, what is your spiritual practice. But for me, that's what I do. Anyway, so taking care of yourself, I think, in the morning first before you care for others is just so important. I couldn't agree more, Kimberly. I love that. And thank you so much for all this useful information. I think that, again, you provided a lot here for people to think about. And yeah, is there anything else that you can think of before we wrap up? I think that we've covered a lot. I mean, did you have any questions on hormones or any just quick advice for women in their 30s or... um... What could we look out for for ourselves in our 30s and our 40s? Because I know I personally went through when I turned, you know, in my mid 30s, maybe 32 to 35, I noticed a very big difference in just everything. And even like my skin, like the hydration level of my skin, everything. So what could we look for as far as labs and hormones that would be changing in our 30s, 40s? Sure. So I think understanding the basic um, blood work, and I won't get into specifics, but I can give you, I can rattle off a list of what to ask for, because I think that's one of the biggest mysteries I see with patients and clients. It doesn't matter what age they are. They could be 20, they could be 80. And there's such a mystery on what you can ask for to really take control of your health and to learn about what's going on in your body. So um, annual visits are really important every year, especially for women and men. You want to request something called a CBC. So that's a complete blood count, Um, a comprehensive metabolic panel. So that's the second thing that's often called a CMP. Um, You want to look at your lipid panel. So getting into cholesterol levels, um, triglycerides, that kind of thing. You want to look at your iron levels, your vitamin D which impacts actually fertility and many things in the body. Uh, And it is a hormone. And then your sex hormones. So estrogen, testosterone, DHEA, progesterone, and FSH. And then you want to ask about um, thyroid hormones. So this is another panel that they can run your T3, your T4, and thyroid antibody tests. And um, I know we talked about it in the other episode, all about estrogen and progesterone and all of that. But yeah, I just think um, understanding that you are in the driving seat of your health and to always get a second opinion Always seek um, multiple counseling from other uh, disciplinaries in the health field to obviously see an MD, a medical doctor. And then if you wanted to go from there, look into working with a registered dietitian. And then if you feel called to work with an acupuncturist, which can be so helpful for many things, um, fertility especially, and then look into other specialties, chiropractic work. When it comes to health, whether it's your nutrition, weight loss, hormones, fertility, one of the first things and conversations I have with clients and patients is you, first of all, have full autonomy, right? Nobody is making you eat a certain way. Nobody is making you live this unhealthy lifestyle. You are in charge of your life. And so taking ownership of that and you know, like I said, not being delusional and really 
having this hard conversation, a lot of people have to have hard conversations. Like I need to cut out X, Y, and Z in my life to improve whatever the goal is. Um, and then the other thing is that you have to be proactive and advocate for yourself when you are with a doctor, with the, when you're with any healthcare provider. Um, many times people are busy, health professionals are busy and they assume that, you know, you don't know anything, even though they might have the best of intentions, they are also busy and they are human. So you have to say, no, I actually did research on this and this is why I want to have it done. They will say, oh, you know what? That's great. You, you know, you brought up a good point. And so anyway, advocating for yourself is so important it, with anything, but especially with your health. Couldn't agree more, Kimberly. Because you know what's going on or you know what doesn't feel right and what feels off in your body yeah. better than other people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listening to that is just so important. And yeah, so that's what I've got for you. If you have any other questions, let me know. Um, but this was so fun. It was so, it's always so fun talking to you, Kimberly. And I just cannot believe that we are still friends to this day. So strange. Literally met at a random party (laughs) in college and didn't even go to the same school and didn't really like hang out as much back then. Um, Anyway, I wanted to say Mm -hmm. uh, or tell us where people can find you on um, social media. Sure. So um, again, Kimberly Odom. I'm a registered dietitian. My private practice is The Daily Detox. And you can find all information about what I do and how we can work together at thedailydetox.com. And on social media, on Instagram, um, I am the daily detox underscore. But if you would like to contact me by email, you can talk, contact me at thedailydetoxrd at gmail.com. Amazing. Kimberly, you're amazing. You're so knowledgeable and you're so helpful. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this valuable information with everyone. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you got some valuable takeaways from this episode. Info will be in the show notes, but the Inner Beauty Code podcast is available on all major listening platforms. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode.